Wasn't that worship great, man? Can you just give a big hand for our worship leaders? I love it. Love worshiping the Lord with you guys. And uh, just the team that, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by God's generosity to us. I, I wanted you to know real quick before we get into today's message that we just completed our eighth audit. Uh, for the past eight years, we've had an outside firm come in and go take three days to go through our books, to look over our procedures, to look at our policies. We think it's important to bring integrity to that part of the church. You know, one of our values is excellent. We won't insult God with anything less than our best, and that includes our finances. We just want to do it in a God-honoring way, and we want to give you uh, confidence that where you're giving, is we're doing what we say we're going to do with your money. And so we invite this audit. We pay them quite a bit of money to, to look at it, and again, this year, we passed with flying colors, and, and uh, they just gave us a great report. And, and I wanted to say let me say this, and then you can clap, and we'll clap all together. I wanted to say to Denise Sandlin, I don't see her right now, but she's probably out serving, counting money even as I, but she's our treasure, and she has been so, she's not just a treasure, but she's also an accountant. She's been so instrumental in this process and in our business team. So, so now, can we give them a big hand for uh, just the integrity in the finances? I, I do think, well, I'll say that another time. And then another thing I want you to know is, is that, is that over the last couple of months, we have, we've written a check, so it's went out. We gave $75,000 to feed one, which equates to feeding 625 kids. That's worth celebrating. So together, there are kids all over this world that won't go to, be, won't go to bed hungry because of your generosity. We've been in a series entitled, uh, You Heard What?, and it's kind of, this is the last segment and uh, the, last, in, the last sermon on it. And then next week's Mother's Day, invite your, don't invite your mothers, are going to come. Invite your family, your friends, it's going to be a great day. But uh, there's these ideas, you've heard them so much that we just start to think that they're true. Like, you've, you've heard the little saying, uh, feed a cold, starve a fever. That's not true. Did, did you know that? You didn't know that. Even if you did know that, pretend like you don't know it. It started with... Uh, feed a cold, stave a fever. The whole idea is if you'll feed a cold, you won't get a fever. And we've changed it and messed it up. I heard all my life, I've told my kids, oh, you got a fever, don't eat. Just go to sleep. Not true. Do, do you know, do you also know that we, at our house, we have a five-second rule, especially with my fourth kid. The first kid, it hits the ground. It's like, it's, you know, it's done, throw it away. Fifth, fourth kid hits the ground, you're like five-second roll. It, it can stay on the ground five seconds and it won't hurt you. That's not true. Bacteria can gather on whatever in, in milliseconds. Did you? Here's another thing. Teenagers, you're going to appreciate this. Chocolate does not give zits. You thought that was true. They did a study and they got all these teenagers together and one group ate ten times more chocolate than the other and they counted their zits on their face before and after and it did not increase. So, so hey, chocolate will do a lot of things to you but it won't give you zits. So you can, it's a tough crowd. That was kind of funny. I got one brother over here that's with me. I'm going to look at you all day. So, so I appreciate you. And here's another one. We've always heard frogs give you warts. Not true. They'll pee on you, but they won't give you warts. You know how you, you, can, you can get a wart, though, if you shake somebody's hand that has a wart. So from now on, I'm going to be like, wart or no wart? And then if you say no wart. And then there, there's, some spiritual, there's some spiritual things that we've thought. Here's one that, that we've kind of bought into in our culture, that sexual purity is for prudes. 
That's not true. The Bible says flee from all sexual, all sexual sins. Because when a man sins sexually, he sins against his own body. And don't you know you were bought with the Holy Spirit and you're not your own. But therefore, honor God with your body. It would, it would do all of us well to, to live sexual, pure lives before God and honor Him in that way. Here's another one that witnessing is only for extroverts and theologians. And I don't have to witness because that's just not my personality. The Bible says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He also said, let your light shine before men so they see your good deeds and glorify your Father on the day He visits us. And then introvert, extrovert, theologian, non-theologian, he says, be ready to give an answer when people ask you, what, what is that hope you have? We're, we're all to be sharers of our faith and, and light bearers for the cause of Christ. Here's another one, and then I'll get in this morning. I mean, I, I wish I had more weeks because I would do one on everyone. But here's one. All I have to do to be a Christian is believe. I just got to believe. That's not true. The Bible says the demons believe in God. Uh, obedience is not optional. You just can't believe. Let me read this to you. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he says is a liar and the truth is not in him. You just can't believe intellectually. You got to follow with your life and we can't have a savior without a Lord. Here's today. God just wants me happy. And and I want to talk to you about that. And if you got a piece of paper, I encourage you to take some great, great sermon for taking notes if you want to follow along on your phone, however you do that. But, but let me just define happiness for you even before I give you some points. But happiness, it, it, it's the Greek word or the Latin word is chance. It's really hap, happenings. When we talk about happiness, it's all based on your circumstances your ch- by chance or by your situation. Not long ago, a, a man came to me and he said, a pastor, I, I know I'm not doing the right thing, but, but, but I just can't get along with my wife. We're not happy together, and I'm going to leave her. And I, I found another woman, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get with her. And this is what he said, Pastor, I know it's not right, but I do know God wants me happy. And that he's bought into a lie. And, and here's the deal, how long is that next relationship going to make him happy? And maybe he has some feelings about it right now, but, but how long will, will that last? And then, I mean, why don't you ask this question, how's that wife feeling? Is she happy? What about those kids that got to grow up with a dad that left them and, 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 and went off with some other woman? What, what feelings are, are they leaving behind? And, and here, does God want us happy? I, w- I would say, no, I, I don't think, I know not. not, not did that, you know, here's another thing. When I bought my first, I didn't buy it. I had, my dad helped me, and, and I had to put some money towards it. But I got a 1976 Toyota Celica. Any, I mean, some of you guys, they made cars in 1976, some of you kids, yeah. And it was a red, fat, I mean, it was a nice-looking car. My brother drove it for a while, my aunt drove it for a while, and, and then I got it. And, and uh, you didn't even have to have a key to start it. It would start with a screwdriver. And, and I was just so, and that's the truth, that's not a myth. That, it, Angie, you know, because she rid it. That, Angie was one of my, with my very first date that I took in that car I mean, and, and this is a true story. First, 16 years old, I got a speeding ticket coming home from church. And I told the man, he said, where you been? I said, I've been to church. And he said, that's great. I'm so glad you're in church. Now let me write you a ticket. And he gave me a ticket. But this car gave me these feelings of, of happiness. I mean, I was a t- I'd wax that thing so the rain would just bounce off of it. And the, the armor all was so thick on the dashboard. I mean, the sun would just blind me. But then, 
that what was bringing me happiness, the, the alternator went out, and, 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 then, and then the thing just kept breaking down, and the maintenance, and the fees, and you know, I had an older car, and it just kept getting older, and I was dumping money into it, and what once made me happy wasn't making me happy anymore, and so what did I think I had to do? I had to go get a new car, a better car, because happiness is always, and you can change that for anything, position, place, job person that, that we are, well, if this isn't making me happy, then I better go get something else. And, and that's why happiness is a myth, because it's, just, it's all based around your situation and your circumstance and, 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 your, and, the, and the things that are going on. And, and that's why I would say today that God doesn't want you happy. In fact, he wants something so much more for you than happiness. And I'm, there's probably more, but I'm going to give you three things. Here's what I think he wants more from you or for you than anything. He wants you close, more than happiness. He, he wants you in close relationship with him. He made you. He created you. He put his spirit within you. He, you, are, you are made in the image of God. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He fearfully and wonderfully made you. He sent his son to die for you, and he sent his spirit to live inside you. Why? Because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants, here, here's what he wants it. He wants your journey, your, your, your time on this earth to be, a, to be a collaboration, to be a partnership between him. He wants to lead and he wants you to follow. He, he wants to speak to you with that still small voice, the, the spirit of God that lives inside of you. And he wants to direct you and he, want, he wants to instruct by his word, and he wants you to obey. He just wants you to follow it. He wants to, you to, he wants to supply. He wants to give you resources and, and, and bless you so that you can steward it properly and so you can give and so you can save and so you can live in a way that brings glory and honor to him. He wants to reveal his nature so you can experience his grace. I'm spitting all over the place. I am so sorry. <laughs> That's the anointing of God. You know, you know that, right? <laughs> the, yeah, that's a myth. But the, I, I was told, <laughs> that's why you're right there, Trevor. You're about to get it. You're about to get the anointing in full force. He, want, he wants to provide for you. Thanks, man. And, he, and, and uh, he just wants you to trust him. He wants to empower you. He wants to fill you with his spirit so that you can do for him. He, wants to get, he just wants this relationship, a close relationship, more than happiness. He wants you close. Here's what he said in James 4.8. Come close to God. And he'll come close to you. Listen to the next part. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And if we're honest with each other, our loyalty, all of us, it can get divided. And so God will, he'll do some things to give us wake-up calls that will draw us back to him, that will keep us close to him. More than your happiness, he wants you close. So he'll do some things to, to encourage that. Listen to what he did to the, to the crowd in Amos. Have you ever read this? I brought hunger to every city and famine to every town. Well, why did he do that? Because I wanted you to return to me, says the Lord. I kept the rain from falling when your crops needed it the most. You cried out to me. You were calling out to me. But you had one foot in the world and one foot with me. And, and I, I wasn't going to meet it because... Because I just wanted you close. Rain fell on one field while another field withered away. People staggered from town to town looking for water, but there was never enough. But still you would not return to me. 
see, sometimes over happiness, he wants you close. And sometimes things happen in your life. I'm not saying all the time. You've got to be able to discern. You've got you you to, again, be led by the Holy Spirit. But there are some, when you, you do know this, if you've drifted, if you've got one foot in and one foot out, if you're not living according to God's plan, he will do some things with the hope because he loves you so much and cares you so much that he'll do some things with the intent of bringing you back. But still, you would not return to me, says the Lord. It's like the story of the prodigal. He went chasing happiness and he found emptiness. And, and, and so off, more often than not, that, if you're going to pursue happiness, the end of it is usually an emptiness, a void, a, a feeling of I, it, it didn't accomplish what I'd hoped it had. And, and, and God kind of, you know, lifted his hand. Did he still love the son? Absolutely. But the Bible says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of Almighty. And this boy stepped away, and, and the umbrella of God's protection, and the umbrella of God's, not his grace, because he's still a gracious God, but he kind of left this guy on his own to, to get to his, come to his senses, hopefully, so that he could return to God. And sure enough, in the pig pen, he realizes his error, his fault. Man, I could have some food if I just went to live with my father. I'm going back home. And he got up, and he went home, and the Lord embraced him. He returned to the Lord. More than your happiness, more, more than here, here's, here's the deal. This is what I want you to get. There is something better than happiness. And it's wake-up calls that return me to God. Situations, things that, that will happen that will bring me back to the heart of God. Because God wants more for you than happiness. He wants you close. And some of you think, well, how can that even be with what I did? I mean, that's where his grace comes in. And how can he do that for everybody? Because he's omnipotent, omniscient. He's almighty God. And he, he just wants you close. He wants you taking his hand and walking with him and living for him and hearing him and obeying him and following him and receiving from him and experiencing him. Here's another thing. He, he just doesn't want you happy. He wants you changed. He want, he want, he'd rather change you than, than to... Here's what Galatians 2.20 says. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's how John said it. I must decrease that he might increase. He wants more for you than happiness. He wants to change you and to conform you. Here's what Paul told the church at Rome. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. This is God's desire for you. This is God's hope for you that, you, that you are conformed into the image of God's Son, that you do what God, that you do what Jesus does, and you live how Jesus lived, and you respond how Jesus responds. And the truth is, none of us are there yet. We're all on that journey, but that's the, that's the plan and the purpose of God, to conform you to the image of His Son. And so you know how He does that? He uses His Word. The Bible says, sanctify them. That means change them or transform. Sanctify them by truth because your word is truth. And that's why personal devotions are so important. And that's why you need to get on a plan and spend time daily in God's word and and set aside time for worship and scripture memory. And, And however you do it, it's just that's how God changes you by just spending time meditating, receiving, acting, listening to the word of God. He also changes you. By people, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's why groups are so important. That's why you weren't called to live in isolation, to, to, to do life in community. Because people have the, have the unique uh, responsibility and, 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 and ability to rub off the rough edges and, and, and help you 
To, you know, sometimes you're shaped by difficult people. And, and don't run from those. I know I was at Lowe's not long ago. We were buying a washer, and, and I went in there. And, and I know God put this woman in my path to, to really shape me because she was taken forever. I mean forever. And I just go, okay, God, I know you're giving me patience. You're just, and then I felt like she was a little short with me and, and not, you know, not treat me the way I thought she would. And, and so I was just saying, God, give me self-control because, I, you know, I wanted to tell her, wanted to preach at her in Jesus' name just a little bit. But God was shaping me and helping me. And, 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 and I came out of, but you know what? I bet, I bet she went home. The woman that I dealt with, I bet she went home. And she told her husband, there was, God was trying to shape me today. There was this idiot that came in and he didn't have a clue about a washing machine. And man, I had to really walk in a lot of patience. And, and this guy was such a cheapskate. He wanted something for nothing. And God was just helping me deal in grace. And he was so bossy, he thought he was the prince of Midlothian. And God was just helping me walk in humility. God uses people. And, and you, you know, we always think God uses the other person to shape us sometimes. He'll use you to shape them. And, and, and you know what else he uses? He uses trials. He uses challenges. He uses difficulties. He uses situations. Count it all joy, James says, my brother, whenever you face trials of various kinds. Well, why would I count it joy? I don't want to go through a trial because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, more than happiness, God wants you to be mature. He wants you to live in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He wants those attributes, those characteristics to drive and, and influence your life. And so he'll allow tests. He'll allow trials. He'll, more than happiness, he'll allow things to shape you. When, when James used the word testing, it's, it's, it's the image of testing gold and silver. And what a silversmith would do is he'd put the gold in a pot and, and he would heat it to these unbearable ten- temperatures. And all the dross or the impurities would rise to the top. And, and then he would get a skimmer and he would skim off the dross. And he knew the gold was ready when he could see his reflection in the pot. Sometimes God just wants to turn up the heat on our lives to draw, to bring out the impurities, the things that don't honor him, the things that don't please him. And then by his grace, he takes his skimmer and he skims it off. And you know when you're done, when he can look down at you and he can see the reflection of his son. That's what, that's what James is saying. I, I want to I do that in your, in your life. Here, here's how uh, Peter said it. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so your faith a greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine. God, God, sometimes the testing of our faith helps us discern and really see where we are. We're, we're, we're often, Christians are often compared to like tea bags. You don't know what they're made of until you put them in hot water. And, and sometimes in the hot water, he reveals to us what we're like and what we're about and here, tests and trials don't create character, they reveal character. When you go through the fire, it does, it does in a sense, it helps you, but more than it helps you, it reveals to you so that you can 
change. And he, here's what Martin Luther King said. He said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenges and controversy. You know, Abraham was tested. I want you to offer your son Isaac, and, and I want you to give him to me. And, 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 and if you know the story in Genesis, it's right around chapter 14 or so, 15 maybe, and, 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 and Isaac and Abraham go up to the mountain, and, and God supplies the sacrifice, and, and Abraham's headed back down with his son uh, arm in arm, and, and their relationship is stronger, and God speaks to him, and he says, man, I tested you, and you passed the test, and now I know that you fear me. And because you fear me, I'm going to make you the father of faith. When we go through tests, it, it proves that, that our faith is real. That's why the psalmist said, try me or test me and see if there's any wicked way in me. The, the word, in, back, if we were to go back to James, the word also, it not only is about testing, but it's about staying power because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And, and I, I think that's what God wants in us more than happiness. He wants this staying power in us. Because it's not who starts the race who wins. It's the one who ends the race. He who overcomes will be given the right to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. He who endures to the end, Matthew said, will be saved. The Bible says in Psalms, those who endure will be like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields its fruit in season and whose life does not wither, but he will be prosperous in everything that he does. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the righteous crown, which the righteous judge will award to me on that day. Not only to me, Paul said, but all who long for my appearing. God, God wants our roots to go deep in him. I mean, if you, if you compare it to a, to a fruit tree, a fruit tree has to endure rainstorms and hot sun and strong winds and winter freezes. And if a tree could talk during, during the adversity and during the struggle, he would say, get me out of here. I got to move. I can't take this, this anymore. However, if you move the tree, it'll do more harm than good. You know, trees not only endure, but they grow by sending their roots down deeper. The adversity they face eventually becomes a source of great stability. One day they'll be able to place, they'll come to a place that even the greatest windstorm, the greatest challenge, the greatest trial, the hardest difficulty will not keep them from producing fruit. If you allow tests to mature you, this is good. If you allow your roots to go deeper and deeper, here's what the Bible says. In this world, you'll have tribulation. And, and, the, and the winds will blow and the rains will come down and the challenges will be hard. But you will remain uh, solid in, in the truth of God's word because you've got this staying power that's, that's so much better than happiness but it's perseverance that's creating this maturity in your life. If you'll endure or persevere, if you'll weather the storm, if you won't give up, if you'll see the trial as an opportunity for God to produce something in your life, it will result in maturity. You'll become more godly. You'll be more like Jesus. The trial will be used to transform you. Here, here's what I know. Everybody wants to be like, well, every Christian, you should, wants to be like Jesus. 
but not everybody wants to go through a trial. And I'm not saying we look for trials, we pray for trials. Man, God, I haven't had a trial in a while. I really need a trial. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you go through it, you, you develop this. That here, we, we want to become more like Jesus, but we don't want to allow trials to shape us and form us. It's like we want to be ripped and buffed. I saw a guy Wednesday night, and, and by the way, we have a great time, and I, I wasn't planning on saying this, but first Wednesday is amazing. We, it's just a little bit extended worship. We had a great word, and then the king of pops came, and we were outside eating popsicles, and there was this great big old fella. I mean, he had muscles. I didn't even know you could have muscles, and like, you know, intimidating, not for me, because, you know, I'm all right, I'm secure, but, but for most people, he was kind of intimidating too, and and, uh, and, he, and, he, and I said, well, why don't you go grab a king of pop, or pop, whatever them things are. And, no, I can't do that, you know. And I'm, well, obviously, I mean, that'll mess up your, th- your stuff, and, and so you don't want to do that. And you know what, I, I, wanna, I would love to look like that, but I mean the king of pop. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do the necessary things to get there. Some of us want to be rich, but we, we don't want to work. Like, I mean, we want the result. We want the benefit. We want the result without going through the process. And and, and I'm telling you, there's something about going through a trial that if you'll view it in the right way and if you'll take it with the grace of God and, and you'll fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll get people around you to support you and, 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 and you'll just keep moving forward and going, there's something when you get through that that, that you'll be better because of it. And here, here, here's the deal. Uh, when you feel like giving up or throwing in the towel, you've got to understand that what you're giving up on could be the very thing that God wants to use to create his purpose in you. You could be walking away from the very thing that God's bringing to, to conform you into the image of his son. He's more interested in your character than he is your comfort. He's more concerned about your, your, your being holy than you being happy. God, and here, in this context, you gotta know, because this, this matters. You gotta know God has a plan for you. His plan is to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a purpose and to give you a hope, a, a future of, of good things. And, and that, that, that mission statement for your life, what God wants for you, has to be embedded in your heart and your spirit. It's got to go past your intellect, and it's got to sink into, your, into, the, into the core of who you are, that God wants the very best for you. Do you, do you realize that today? Well, you, it don't seem like it. And what? No, 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 no. God wants the very best for you. He sent his son, his only son, to die on a cross because he loves you. You're the apple of his eye. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, his son. You are the joy of his heart. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He, he has a plan and a, and a purpose for you and a desire for you and a, a longing for you. So he allows trials and he sends tests that I might be conformed into the image of his son. And some of you are thinking because of your circumstance, because of your situation, well, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe he's mad at me. Maybe he's punishing me. That's a myth. God does not punish his children because of sin. Listen, you'll have to deal with the consequences. I'm not saying that. You reap what you sow. You, 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 th- there is a wage for, for, for foolish living, but God will not punish you for your sin. He's already punished Jesus Christ for your sin. The Bible said that Jesus took the punishment. He bore the stripes. He took the pain. He was the judgment 
for our sin. That, you know, if Jesus were to punish you for your sin, it's like double jeopardy. It's like trying the same person for, for again for the crime. It, you just, it just, it's not, spiritually, it's not, it's not possible. It, what you, you might just be in a, in a character course where, where you're learning and growing and trying to become more like Jesus. And trials are not meant to make you sour. And I don't mean to sound like just say these little things, but they're really meant to make you soar. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, why would I have to renew my strength? Because I'm going through a challenge. I'm going through a difficulty. Why, why, would, why would I have to wait on the Lord? Because I got this obstacle in front of me. But if you'll wait on him, he'll renew you. And you'll mount up with wings as eagles. And you'll run and not grow weary. And you'll walk and not faint. That's why uh, the Bible writer said, Lord, teach me to wait. Because when I'm going through something, I need you on the in, inside of me. And here, where, 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 where do you learn? Where do you learn love? Around a, a difficult, challenging boss. Where do you learn? Where do you learn patience? Through times of waiting, maybe for a dream to come true. Where do you learn peace under a stressful situation? And, 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 and people say, well, I hear you, Pastor, but it doesn't make it easier. And I'm telling you, it should. You got to know that God is for you. You got to know that God's not only the author, but the finisher. You got to know that, that God's love is greater than any love you've ever humanly experienced. You got to know that God has a plan and purpose for your life. And then you got to know that God is working all things for your good because he loves you if you're caught according to his purpose. Amen, everybody. God has more for you than just happiness. He wants you close. He, he wants you. Here it is. There is something better than happiness. Trials that change my character. And here's, here's the last thing. He wants your life to count. He, want, he wants you to make a difference. We are God's handiwork. If the praise team would get ready to come back. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God wants your, your life to last way after you're gone. We talk about it a lot. At least I do. He wants you to leave a legacy. We, we, I've shared before, but... Angie and I went on this foster care journey, and, and we've been on it maybe now for six years, and, 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 and it's, it's been, honestly, one of the hardest things we've ever done. And, I, and, you know, they just sit, and people tell me, well, just give these kids love, and, and they'll change and everything. Just give them a little TLC, and everything will be fine. There is not. I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, it's, it is hard. It, I would not describe our journey with the word happiness. It's brought us a lot of joy and a lot of laughter, but it has stretched us. It, it has changed us. I'm a different person, I hope. And I think I, think I, could, I could prove it to you. I could look at, you could look at me before and where I am now, and, and I'm not there yet, but God has used it to really, he's changed our family through it. I mean, our, my kids are, they're more aware of hurting kids. They're more aware of, of, of the, the needs and the issues of kids from hard places. They, they, they had to go uh, kind of take a step back so, so we could give attention and a, and a little bit more care to these, to these kids. Uh, happiness, I don't know. It's been a grind. Emotionally, it's been challenging. Physically, it's been taxing. Relationally, I mean, I, I, it's been stretching for Angie and I at times. It's brought us closer together, but there's seasons where, I mean, it's just been difficult. It's been, it's been difficult. But this is what I want you to know. 
There is some things better than happiness. And that sacrifices that expand God's kingdom. Some of you just, some of you, well, it's just all about me and living's all about me and I don't want to sacrifice and I don't want to give. And I just want to be happy. There's something about sacrificing for the cause of God that is so much better than happiness. And I just want to give a plug. RFK is coming up, Royal Family Camp. We're, we're going to have between 50 and 60 kids, kids from foster homes, kids from, from, uh, that have been in transition, kids that are in group homes. They're going to come, and we're going to give them the, the week of their life that they'll never, ever forget. And then, in fact, last year we had our very first one, and, and there was a couple that went and volunteered. And over the course of this year, they've been in the process. And next month, they will get one of the kids from camp, and that kid's going to come and be part of their permanent family. He, he's been a, he'll be adopted into their home forever, that kid. And I, they know what they're up against. They know the challenges. They know the difference. You take a 12-year-old kid that's been passed around from pillar to post with rejection and fear and crap, he's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. But they know what's before him, and they understand that sometimes sacrifice, the purpose of sacrificing for God's kingdom is better than their happy or their contentment or, or what they want. If you're interested in being a part of RFK, the dates, I want you to take a picture of this Write it down real quick. The dates are August 13th through 17th. If you're interested, you can email E. Solden with an A at cloverhill.church. E. Solden at cloverhill.church. You say, well, I can't go for the whole week. There's some stuff you can do pre-camp. There's some stuff you can do post-camp. There, well, I, I don't want to be a cousin. We call cousins counselor. I don't think I can do that. There's opportunities for you to serve a meal. There's, op- there's opportunities for you to come up one night. There's, and there are opportunities and needs for people to be cousins. You'll have two kids for every cousin. You'll be responsible for them 24 hours. You will be exhausted. You will be emotionally drained. You will, you will cry. You, it, it'll be one of the toughest weeks of your life, but it'll be one of the most rewarding and impactful that you've ever had. Why? Because God doesn't just want your happiness. Sometimes he wants you to sacrifice to expand God's kingdom. So does God want me happy? I don't think that's his number one priority, no. I don't think that's his ultimate goal. I think he wants you close. And I think he'll do whatever it takes that you'll return back to him. You know that emptiness, that hole in your soul, that feeling of where are you, God? That's not the grace of God lifting. That's the grace of God drawing. That's the grace of God saying, come on. Come on, get back in the game. Come on, I just want you close. I just want us, not perfect. I just want you in the journey with me. Let's just go after this thing. You can't change the past, but let's do this thing together. You know what? He wants you changed. So he'll send trials and things and stuff to, to smooth off the rough edges and get you into, and to conform you to the image of his son. And you know when that's ultimately gonna be finished? When we go to heaven. But all along the journey, he's just shaping us, just molding us. We just want to be pot. We just want to be clay on the potter's wheel. Okay, God, whatever you want, take this off, take that off, bring out the impurities. And He wants your life to count. And sometimes that means sacrificing your time, your money, your energy, your experience to expand His kingdom. Amen, everybody. Why don't you stand with me, will you? And and I want you to ask this question, Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me?
maybe, maybe you're not close today. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've never entered into a relationship with God. You know what? Let me, let, let's take care of that right now. The Spirit of God is dealing with your heart. You've either drifted. You're not, you're not as close to God as you once were. Or you've never even said yes to Jesus. You, I, let, me, let me just start. Let me just start the, the relationship. And, and it starts with a prayer, a simple prayer of faith, a simple prayer of confession. It just starts with, God, forgive me. And right where you're standing, right in your mind, with your, with your Lord, will you forgive me? I've drifted. I've, God, I never even accepted you. I didn't even know I needed you. But today, I say yes. I say come into my life. I say change me. God, I receive what you did for me on the cross. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And, and this morning, I want to confess him as Lord. God, I want you to be my leader. I'm tired of doing it my way. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, Lord, I just want to be close. Lord, today I'm drawing near. And I know you're going to respond by drawing nearer. And I thank you for it. Maybe you're going through a trial today, a test today. And and, and, and your perspective on it can make all the difference in the world. And can you just yield to the plan and the purposes of God and And say, God, I need your grace through this thing. I need your help through this thing. I'm not going to curse it. I'm going to learn from it. God, I'm going to grow in it. I'm going to become the person that you want me to be. Lord, your word says that you're not going to put anything on me that me and you can't handle. And, And it feels like right now I can't handle this. But by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to help me, Lord. And I invite you into this thing. And I lean on you this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You don't even know what to say. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Maybe you realize your life's not counting to the degree or to the extent that it could. Why why don't you say, Lord, I give you my life. Make it count. I want to partner with you. If that means sacrificing, if that means giving up, if that means getting in an environment that makes me uncomfortable, if that means stretching, whatever that means, God, whatever it means, I want my life to count for the glory of God. Oh, help me, Jesus, I pray. We're going to sing one more song as we sing it. Make your need your aid. Now's not the time to check out. After the song, we got some people we're going to baptize. But will you go after God? Will you press into Him? Will you draw close? Will you honor Him with a song as we worship Him together?